Welcome to Funding the Dream on Kickstarter, the number one podcast for the number one crowdfunding platform, Kickstarter. And now here are your hosts, Richard Bliss and Jamie Stegmeier. My name is Richard Bliss, the co-host, because I'm joined today by my other co-host, Jamie Stegmeier of Stonemeyer Dreams. And you're listening to episode 190, and a special shout out to Paul Owen, who's been doing our intro. Jamie, a thrill to have you on the show again. Thanks for having me. What's what's been on your mind lately, Richard, in terms of Kickstarter? Well, you've been on my mind. I get more advice, uh, more comments for bring Jamie back, bring Jamie back <laughs> than any other topic we have ever covered on this show. Well, so, well, and so one of the things I thought is is that um, in the next few minutes, let's talk about some of the news that's just hit uh, around Kickstarter, particularly as people might be seeing that um, Kickstarter announced that they had reached the billion dollar pledge mark. Right, billion dollars in about five years. Yeah, and the majority of that money was within like the last year. So right. I call it the hockey stick. Right, it goes along, goes along, and then bam. Um, now, for clarification, that's a billion dollars in pledges. Right, not a billion dollars in successful funding. Right, and so yeah, that means, and usually it's about half. So that means that's only been five hundred million dollars in successful pledges. You know, um, I don't. This who, who are they kidding? Right, a billion dollars? No, it's only been five hundred million. Five hundred million dollars, and they're on track over the next, I think, twelve months to do another billion dollars. And this thing is just going crazy. How long have you been doing Kickstarter in in, in the Kickstarter doing- world? Um, I, I've been a backer since the first year. I think I heard about Kickstarter about two or three months in after they launched. And I've been a project creator since about two years, about two years ago. What about you? When did, when did you find out about it originally? You know, I can't I, – I think it was a deck of cards, and it was about mm-hmm. three years ago, maybe three and a half years ago. I kind of – heard about it, and I think it was through uh, Dice Hate Me, as I think um, when they started talking about it, that really it came to my attention, because I remember they taught me a lot about it. Chris Kirkman over at Dice Hate Me uh, taught me a lot about uh, Kickstarter at the time as I started to watch it happen. So yeah, that's been about, oh, I guess three years ago. So yeah, um, it was after Eminent Domain and Tasty Minstrels, right after that, probably a few months. So yeah, uh, a while a while. Um, in internet years, that's a long time. In Kickstarter years, that's been like forever, right? Right. Yeah, back then, I, I don't know the exact numbers, but I, it probably took them a while to even break a million, and then they kind of broke a barrier there. So, so what is it now that they're – it's so big, a billion dollars in pledges, what, what does that mean for project creators to come to Kickstarter today? Well, that's interesting because it, look, if we go back, and I've shared these stats before, when I got involved in 2011, there were 106 successful board game projects uh, on Kickstarter, 106 successful ones. Um, and they were at – so there were about 200 because it was still around a 50% fail rate. And they raised $2 million in successful funding. Cards Against Humanity was in that group. Um, there were quite a few. But we're talking $2 million, and I can remember at the time in 2011 that people were rushing to get their projects out at the end of the year because everybody was telling me that this was a bubble that was about to burst, that $2 million of pledges. Yet the next year, 2012, we saw that number increase more than tenfold. Um, you know, it, it passed the $20 million mark, and then in 2013 – 
it did it again, uh, um, where it just increased to two or three times up to the $80 million mark. And here we are in 2014. And now we're just talking about the board game or game category. Right. Uh, um, so it's almost not even recognizable anymore, even since when you started as a project owner. Yeah, it's a, it's a completely different ecosystem. And I think for the most part, at least from what I see, I see fewer and fewer projects that are really poorly done and a lot more projects that are at least done pretty well or really well. Um, so I, I, I think as a whole, I think the, the ecosystem for tabletop game projects on Kickstarter is improving and bringing more and more people to Kickstarter and letting more and more people trust Kickstarter as a way to um, find out about new and innovative uh, games in particular. Would you agree with that? Yeah, no, you bring up an interesting point to that word trust. I, uh, I've been trust, reached that I, you know, there continues to be in the news the sensational, sensationalism of fraud, right? Mm-hmm. We've, we've had our own discussions about it in this space. Um, I have an interview with The Street, which is, uh, if you watch Investment Kramer's uh, website, they want to talk to me about because crowdfunding – Equity-based crowdfunding and crowdfunding, what we talk about, basically rewards-based crowdfunding, get all mixed up. And now as more and more people are paying attention to it, the first thing that jumps to their mind is somebody's going to get taken. Somebody's going to lose their money. This is an unregulated lose your money. But you just talked about the word trust. More and more people are starting to trust Kickstarter as a platform. And and we've talked about fraud a little bit, that in some ways the crowd itself uh, vets a little bit of that of that uh, distrust, the shysters that are out there trying to take the money. Right. I think for the most part they do um, on on the project level. And even more recently, this is what, two weeks ago, two, three weeks ago, that Kickstarter had a security breach. Do you remember that happening a little while ago? Oh, yeah. It happened Um, the same time because I'm, as you know, prolific on Forbes. I I do a lot of ghostwriting. Usually once a week I have an article. And it was the same, almost the same day that Forbes had their entire user database uh, stolen. And so I had, oh, wow. right. So I'm trying to change things on Forbes and Kickstarter at the same time. And it was like, wow, this is the apocalypse. I was waiting for zombies at my, <laughs> at my door because it was like, Oh, the whole world is going down. So yes, I do recall that very vividly that, uh, th- that they had had that security breach. So I, I put a, uh, a poll on my, my Kickstarter lessons blog on my website I gave three people three options. So I, I talked about the, the hacking and what it meant for backers and creators. And the poll, I, the three options I asked, if you have a Kickstarter account, will the hacking affect you, affect your Kickstarter behavior? And the answers were no, I will continue to use Kickstarter as normal. Um, no, but if it happens again, I will consider deleting my Kickstarter account. And yes, I'm deleting my account and will no longer buy Kickstarter projects. So I really wanted to see the impact of this on people's trust in, in the Kickstarter system. And only uh, about 3% of people said that they will no longer be using Kickstarter due to hacking. Um, so the vast majority of people, 77% of people said they're going to continue to use Kickstarter as normal. And that there are about 20% in between. And my take on this continues to be what we've said about um, the, the whole fraud thing in the first place. And that is if somebody takes my $20 – that I pledged two years ago and doesn't deliver. It's like, okay, uh, you know, shame on me, shame on them, but shame on me because I'm I'm not going to give them my money again. 
And yeah. then so many times, particularly in the board gaming community, we spot those people. So it's kind of the same thing. Oh, you know what? The, I, I lost a little bit of uh, money. And in this case, they were quick to point out that Amazon was not affected. Right. Like, it, it was just Kickstarter. It was just Kickstarter in some of your, your history. So that's, a, that's an interesting one to come up. I think those will continue to pop up, but it'll slowly just kind of go away. It's, it's kind of a, a non-issue in some ways. What are we seeing? Right. What are we seeing different? How about the naysayers? How about the uh, the naysayers who continue to say that Kickstarter is bad for the industry? And the reason I'm bringing this up is because we're going to hear it also in other industries as Kickstarter continues to penetrate the music industry, the film industry, the publishing industry. Um, we're probably going to hear the same things that we're hearing in the game industry from the old guard, and that is Kickstarter's terrible. It uh, removes the safeguards of quality. I'm not talking about fraud here. I'm just talking about pure quality, and it's diluting the market with a bunch of unvetted crap, to put it bluntly and a bit crassly. What do you What do you respond to that? Well, those are. You don't have to respond to the crap comment, but uh... <laughs> <laughs> well. The diluting, okay, so the, the diluting the market um, example, I guess when you, it depends, I think part of it depends on how you use Kickstarter um, and what your goal is. Some project creators use Kickstarter just to, um, I guess, produce something and sell it on Kickstarter, and that's it. They're not looking to have, to form a company out of it or form a brand or a line of products or even go to retail after after Kickstarter. Well, other project creators are. Um, and I think you've talked with Aldo from Impressions about, you know, does, does having a, a game on Kickstarter affect the overall sales for that game, uh, retail sales? Yeah. And, and, and yeah. if you get me going on that, I'm going to, because okay. <laughs> I continue to, I continue to argue online with several retailers and they argue from a stance of, look, I can't sell a Numera, a Numenera. Uh, Monty Cook's one has been, been t- mm-hmm. particular active out there right now in the discussion boards about selling it through retailers. And, and, and I continue to hear people saying that Kickstarter is bad for retailers or it harms their business or a project that was on Kickstarter has no guarantee of success in retail. Okay. But one of the things I want to continually point out is, look, I'm just going to make this, num- this number. $80 million was spent 2013 on Kickstarter for games. Okay, ask the retailers, and there's not that many, did your revenue go down because people spent their money on Kickstarter for a game instead of in your store for a game? And you know what the answer is? No. Retailers did not see a – that's a significant chunk of change, and they did not see a significant drop in their revenue. That means – Several things, and, and since it's my data, I get to make up the what it means. And uh, to, to me, it means that new backers, new money, new audience, new people are coming in, and the go- gamers, the board game retailers, are still catering to their same group of gamers. And it's the threat isn't that it's going to take sales away. The threat is is that people are just going to find a whole new way of purchasing and just basically bypass them. And just, right. like, just like, okay, you know what? And so it's, it's, yeah. So yeah, that can get me going, but that is one of the big impacts I see is that the success we're having with Kickstarter and the board gaming community is that it is impacting that space. I'm seeing it in other places too. I get calls for consultation and we'll have to t- have another 
episode about consultation, but I get calls for consultation, and one of them has been about a filmmaker um, who was looking to raise some money. He's been very successful with short films, and now he wants to raise money for a large film. And the same thing's starting to happen there, right? Uh, Sundance is starting to see more and more Kickstarter campaign uh, projects, and the industry starting to wake up saying, whoa, Kickstarter is going to in some ways bypass the traditional people and allow this 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 uh, creation of all this content without the the regular money. It's not as calcified as the board game space, but you're starting to see it there too. So, right, I'm ram- I, I think I feel like I'm rambling, but I just I just feel that this I'm very passionate about the fact that board game retailers and the industry and publishers included are going to be left behind because the, the the shift is very subtle and it's and it's bypassing them and there's going to come a point where they're going to wake up and people kickstarter is going to be where it's going to be the norm instead of the the um the exception right right are, are you saying right and because I, I keep talking or are you saying right because you agree with me no i'm, I'm saying that I, I i agree with you and i think i think sometimes Maybe people over, including maybe retailers, overlook the impact that Kickstarter has on buzz and hype. Kickstarter is an amazing machine for creating buzz around a project. Like I know personally, I, I there are established board game companies that that are coming out with games this year that are not on Kickstarter. They're just they've said you know we're coming out with this game this year, and I'm excited about a few of them. But it doesn't even get close to touching how excited I am about Kickstarter projects, both because I'm as a background personally involved in it. And just even if I wasn't personally involved in it, I see all this hype. You, know, you can see this, you know, an actual number on the page showing you how many people are excited about it as well as you. Um, and I see that, I, I foresee that carrying over to other industries as well, music, m- movies, books. I, I think it'll carry over in terms of the hype, the, the momentum, you know, the, the kind of the marketing push that it provides for those products. There's a, a saying that I... I... It's not my saying that I love. It's when performance is measured, performance mm-hmm. improves, right? Mm-hmm. And right now, yeah. the performance that we're measuring, you just touched on it, is, okay, how many people like this idea? Right. So when a game company, a traditional game company, does a press release and they make an announcement on their forum and in the, uh, on their website, we as outside have no ability to measure the, are they just hyping it or are people really interested in this? Yeah, you can't quantify how excited people are about that. Other than maybe Facebook likes or something like that, but that's that doesn't tell us all that much. No, but now on Kickstarter, I can see you just you just said it. Wow, if a thousand people are interested in this, I might want to yeah. get this because I think my gaming group might be interested in this, and the people I game with might be interested because this looks cool, and a thousand people agree. Uh, I want to be part of that successful crowd because the last thing you want right. to do is bring it. You know, gaming is very social. I don't want to bring a dud of a game into my gaming group because I was the only one that backed it on Kickstarter and it was a dud. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You also, Richard, you talked upon. Do we have a few more minutes? How much time do we have? Yeah, we got it. We got a couple minutes. Okay. So you mentioned you mentioned three points when you were talking about the impact of Kickstarter kind of exploding, and you mentioned um, some games or products coming out that that aren't all that well thought out or aren't all that well produced and having them dilute the market. What are your thoughts on that? Because we do hear that. Yes. And so 
it's, I, I think it's interesting that when I see people post those comments, oftentimes, um, and I'm thinking right now, I'm going to name names. I'm thinking of the shut, is it shut up and sit down? Yeah. Yeah. I go out to, so they, they particularly don't like Kickstarter. Um, they've been very vocal about that. And so it's interesting for me to go read their blog. I'm giving a little shout out because I'm going to rail on them a little bit. So <laughs> go visit their blog, read it. But in the beginning, they'll complain about the mediocre games that are coming out from this publisher, this publisher, this publisher, non-Kickstarter. Then they'll launch into um, their Kickstarter rant about how it's just got all this mediocrity and crap that's coming out. And then they'll say, well, here's one that we think might be good. And I look at that and I say to myself, do you not hear yourself speaking? That you're complaining (laughs) about Kickstarter as this lack of, of vetting that this somehow the gatekeepers are not in place, the gatekeepers that have kept us safe from mediocrity and that Kickstarter has opened the floodgates, yet you just spent a whole blog ranting on these publishers that have released mediocrity. And it's that they, right. forget, that they lose sight of the fact that everybody, most people are in this to make money, and that doesn't necessarily mean that they'll make good decisions because they're in it to make money. They're in it to make money, which means if they can get away with mediocrity and still make money, they will. The idea right. that that businesses somehow have this uh, altruistic approach to quality is just it's just not there, and so that's why I completely disagree. And I laugh every time somebody tells me that Kickstarter is opening the floodgates to mediocrity. I'm like, really, really? Um, and you're talking about have you seen something from some of these game companies? Fantasy Flight sometimes puts out stuff that they have to do. Uh, change after change because it didn't get play tested properly or somebody else puts out another game where they have to, uh, that the artwork maybe, or the, the peeling of the quality of the paper got away from them. There's nothing to guarantee that established traditional board game publishers are putting out quality just because they found a designer who put out a game in the past that was good quality. Doesn't necessarily mean they're going to keep doing that. They're, they're driven by the same motivations that every business is profitability on Kickstarter. On the other hand, we have the chance to see a little bit of the transparency into that, um, right? You're, you, you're, you're well known for that. So, yes, I, I get a little passionate about that as well, that somehow this mediocrity is being – that Kickstarter has, has done that. I, I, I totally disagree. Uh, do you consider your products as mediocre? No. Okay, good. I, good. I just wanted to make sure because they came out on Kickstarter, so uh, nobody vetted them. Who vetted your products? <laughs> 942 people vetted Viticulture and almost 5,000 people vetted Euphoria. I think that's the key. Like Instead of having two gatekeepers at a game company, who maybe are very good at being gatekeepers, granted, but instead of having two or three, you have thousands of people as gatekeepers um, who, who hold you accountable Every one of them to the quality of your product. Yeah, but those guys on Board Game Geek who have then been the traditional um, reviewers or vets, they're the ones who have told you whether this publisher brought a good game out. They're feeling a little threatened now, and they tend to be the most vocal about mediocrity and the bypassing of these gatekeepers because now – they no longer hold this narrow uh, authority position of knowing a game. You know, this their their whole business is reviewing games, and if right. five thousand people have have done that, they've kind of been bypassed as well. That, that's true. Although I, I would say that I almost see reviewers, game reviewers, as the new gatekeepers, um, or right. even Kickstarter projects for 
I have an upcoming project and, and I have, it's really important to me to have unbiased third party reviewers. I don't even know yet. I, I'm a couple of days away from launch. I have no idea what they're going to say about Tuscany, but I'm very curious to find out and I will post the review regardless of what they say because I, I want to give backers an honest, unbiased opinion from, I guess, a, a, gatekeep, a gatekeeper they trust. Right, but so there are can, gatekeepers yeah. out there who will tell you, I'm sorry, I don't do Kickstarter reviews. True, true. And you're like, what? Really? Yeah. And yes, because, right? And you mentioned Tuscany. We've got to have another episode about Tuscany. We're out of time. Can we get together and do this again? Absolutely. Yeah, I'd love to. Okay, we've got two things to talk about next time. One of them, we're going to talk about um, the Tuscany uh, thing. Um, and then we talked about the little consultation we just mentioned on that. We'll have to have a couple episodes uh, to talk about that. Jamie, yeah. always, we, we never have enough time. <laughs> There's always more time, Richard. There is always more time. You've been listening to Funding the Dream on Kickstarter. My co-host has been... Jamie Stegmeyer. At StoneMeyerGames.com. And uh, hopefully you've heard something inspiring as uh, he and I have kind of rambled on about uh, the, what we're seeing in the industry and what's kind of happening. We love having these chats and we love joining you in your daily commute. And as you go about your life, we certainly appreciate it. Thanks for listening. Take care. <laughs>